From an inflatable raft floating aimlessly in the Braddock family swimming pool, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys who have one word for you, Plastics, Wade Major, and Mark Kaiser. Oh yeah, we love those graduate references. Who sent that in, Corey? That was written by Lorenzo Rafa. He's not trying to seduce you. Just kidding, he is trying to seduce you. Uh. He wants to seduce you. (laughs) (laughs) Wade, I'm on the Criterion um, page. Yes, you are. I'm Quadrophenia, Wade. Quadrophenia, finally coming out on Blu-ray August 28th. August. Can't wait. Quadrophenia, awesome. You're going to have to wait till August. That's true. Cookies? Cookies and ice cream? Good today. Thank Thank you. you. You're very welcome. Thank you for Although, that. You know what? I, I've decided that um, I'm going to try as best I can to cut sugar out of my diet. Why? For a couple of weeks. For a couple of weeks. So I can lose weight. You know, I, I was in Chicago Mm-hmm. This and you weekend. had a deep dish pizza. I did. Yeah. I, I, I deep dish everything. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't stop eating when I'm on vacation. And yeah. you know what? Uh, I was there for uh, Blues Fest. Yeah. A lot of fun. But also, I didn't realize this at the time when I made the reservation. Yes. But it turns out that the night I arrived, mm-hmm. Roger Waters was performing The Wall. No kidding. Pink Floyd's The Wall. Are you serious? At Wrigley Field. Wow. Now, The Wall, Pink Floyd's The Wall, yeah. is like my all-time favorite album. And there are stories about how amazing Roger Waters, his presentation of The Wall has oh, been. Oh, yeah. Our friend Dave has actually seen it live, I think several times. Well, they, It's amazing. They did it in the early 80s when the album first came out. And then... It was such a logistical challenge that, and of course the band had moved on, that he had waited 30 years yeah. to remount the show. Now, here's the thing. I, I get to Wrigley Field. Okay. And you see that there's a wall. Mm-hmm. Like a, it's a wall. It's, yeah. It looks like the wall from, from, from the wall. wall. Sure. Yes. So like, oh, that's, that's a nice set. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of the wall, there's like a cutout uh-huh. where you see the band. Right. So in the middle of the stage... Is the band, yeah, and then on the edges, on the sides, is the wall. Looks like white brick. Sure. Turns out, Wade, that's not just a set piece. That is actually a four hundred and twenty-five foot long, thirty-five foot tall video screen that projects high definition images synchronized to the music. Wow! It is unreal. The first five minutes of the show. When Roger Waters comes out yeah. and basically says, you know, he he comes out guns blazing. Yeah. Pretty much saying, this is what you're in for tonight. It'll blow your mind. Just blow your mind. Sweet. And it was really an incredible experience. I'm thrilled he still does that. And by the way, I paid 200 bucks for, the, for my seat. Yeah. Worth every penny. A bargain. At yeah. 200 bucks. That, this that is a bargain. This thing was amazing. You have never seen anything like Roger Waters doing the wall. Now, the... I paid, I paid more than that for just a horrible seat to see Streisand like 12 years ago. Yeah, but the nose, you, you know, you don't need, you need to get see, way back. You see, you can get away can with that. that. You can do that. Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm you're of the, the pers- You're of the persuasion, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, no, it, you know, it, it, it was an amazing show. Cool. Uh, now, when he had done it in 2010, he did it in, in, in arenas. Yeah. Where, which are obviously a lot smaller. I saw it at Wrigley Field, which, A, is amazing. Wrigley Field, fantastic mm. uh, stadium. But also, it's a lot bigger. 
Didn't he do one like in Berlin after the fall of the wall or something? He, Wasn't yeah, there yes, one there? Yes, he did. Yeah. He, he did. He's toured all around nah, the world. That's amazing. And the thing is that the uh, the show, if you if he, if he comes to your town, I don't care how much it costs, you got to see it. I don't care if you if you've never heard of Pink Floyd, you have never seen a multimedia experience like this. This is like nothing you have ever seen. It's also kind of sad how Dave Gilmore keeps going around with his just ridiculous nine-hour-long guitar solo performances as if he's still Pink Floyd. You know, he was himself. never... Look, he he's responsible for a lot of the great guitar solos. Yeah, and, you know, the, that but not But, but like three-hour-long guitar performances by Dave Gilmore are not enthralling. And by the way, the uh, you know, Gilmore's probably most famous guitar solo, which is the solo from Comfortably Numb from yes. The Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, is reproduced here by very talented musicians. You would never know there's no Dave Gilmore. Wall needs to be on Blu-ray. By just, the I'm way, just saying that it needs true. to be on Blu-ray. And by the way, can I say it's something? A great movie, Alan Parker. Yes, two and a half. Okay, this is the last thing I'll say about uh, yeah. the Wall at Wrigley Field. A great experience. Yeah. Roger Waters mm-hmm. runs up and down the stage. Yep. For two and a half hours, mounting an incredibly difficult conceptual multimedia art piece. Roger Waters, 68 years old. Isn't that wild? 68. He's, the guy's he's, almost he's, 70 years old. He's six years younger than Ridley Scott. He's almost 70 years old. He's wearing black pants wow. and a black T-shirt, and he is running around like like he's 30 how old, years old. How old is Mick Jagger? He's up there, too, isn't he? Uh, Mick Jagger, I think, is about 600 years old. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, is, uh, or uh, Stallone, is 65. That's just terrible. Isn't that amazing? He's well, 65. But, but, well, by the way, uh, Jagger, 68. See? Uh, yes. Bloody hell. He's 68. Three years older than Mitt Romney and, uh, and uh, Stallone, who are the same age. They're both collecting Social Security this year. Well, He's neither Romney are, but they're eligible too. Stallone has had a lot of bad work done. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, true. Sometime, I, it's been a while since I, I don't live in Santa Monica anymore, but mm-hmm. you know, Schwarzenegger yeah. used to drive up and down the streets of Santa Monica all the time. I, his, I, his, his kids went to that preschool in Montana. I, I used to know his nanny. That, there you go. Yeah. And sometimes you'd see him. Sure. Cruising up and down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, his kids went to that preschool in Montana in like yeah. 15th or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you see him in person, on screen it doesn't look as bad. Yeah. If you see him in person, oof. <laughs> Man, that's some work done. All right. Well, you know what? We are now going to talk about DVDs. Oh, and also later on in the show, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to have a giveaway, a uh, television giveaway for something that we're not going to review until next week, but we are going to do the giveaway this week. So stay tuned for that. We're going to wrap the show up with that. I'm not going to uh, talk about that until later in the show. So just to tease everybody, there will be a giveaway. I want to win something. can I win yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, Well, anyway, now we are going to uh, talk about DVDs, and um, we got yuck, a, yuck, we got a yuck, ton. Yuck. We're never going to get through all this stuff, but you know what has been released this week? Yuck, yuck, yuck. It is extraordinary. If you have not been keeping up with all of the the chronological releases of the Three Stooges, yuck, yuck. the twenty disc Ultimate Collection is now out. The comprehensive twenty disc complete mega ultra super Three Stooges set. Now here's the thing. I'm going to warn everybody. Yes, this is the complete Columbia collection of Three Stooges shorts. There are a lot of public domain releases out there that contain earlier shorts that are not officially Three Stooges shorts, but they are short films that featured the Howard Brothers and sometimes Larry Fine 
and it, it, they're sort of the precursors to the Three Stooges. And if you want that heritage, if you want that lineage to sort of chart how the Stooges became the Stooges, you can go out and buy that from uh, one of the PD uh, distributors. But if you want the official Columbia stuff, all 190 shorts, can you believe they made 190 shorts? Uh, back then. That's amazing. That is a that's he- what they did. It's just unreal. Uh, all 190 shorts plus two of their feature films are out in this 20-disc set. And it also includes uh, three Columbia cartoons and 28 uh, shorts that have never been released before. Now, this is all of the stuff from 1934 to 1959 that was previously released in all of these, uh, these individual little, you know, year-by-year releases. And uh, there were like eight of those, I think. Anyway, um, this also includes uh, an extras disc, which is fantastic. I mean, it's just there's, there's more Stooge stuff on here than you can possibly consume. It is hours and hours and hours of Stooge stuff and bonking and poking in the eyes and Niagara Falls and, you know, Raja, aha, it's all here. It's spectacular. It's beautiful. And uh, I think it's great this is out now. You can start saving for, for Christmas because lots of dads are going to want this for the holidays, for whatever gift uh, holiday you celebrate. Get it. It is just it is fantastic. The mastering is excellent. And the question has ari- arisen, uh, will this be out on Blu-ray? I'm sure eventually, but I find it very hard to believe that if they didn't release the Blu-ray concurrent with this, a Blu-ray set, not coming for quite a while. Uh, this would have to sell like gangbusters. This is going to have to sell like crazy. So, uh, and by the way, I don't, I don't know that it is. I don't see, I don't see a Blu-ray release anywhere in the next year and a half to two years of this. So, get it now, enjoy it, and you know what? Honestly, really, is there anyone who watches the Stooges and says, I don't know, it, it, it's missing something because it's not in high def? I mean, uh, it was, it was not well shot to begin with. These things, they cranked them out. They just, they, they blew them out. So, you know, just enjoy it. Just get it. Enjoy it. It rules. Wade, can I say something controversial? Go ahead. Three Stooges, not funny. You know what? I agree with you. But it's a funny thing. Um, My wife, who hates Jerry Lewis and can't stand the Marx Brothers, loves the Three Stooges. Really? She doesn't like the uh, Marx Brothers? does not like the Marx Brothers. Oh, they're gods. I know. Gods among men. I know. I agree. Groucho, gods. And, and, as long as we're talking about the comedy genius of Jerry Lewis and the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges, uh, what do they all have in common? The Marx Brothers, Jerry Lewis, and Three Stooges. They're all funny. They're all of the tribe. <laughs> right? To put it in your vernacular? I'm just saying. I know. You know what? It's uh, Jews and movies. It's we, just it's, it's, a, it's a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> and it's, it's the comedy, you know? F- screen comedy is Jewish. It is. Yeah, Billy, well, Billy Wilder, and we can go like, on and on and on. Catskill stuff? Yeah. It is. It's just that's it's 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 amazing. Comedy, a, it, film comedy begins uh, with, with with Jews. There's pretty it's much great. it's pretty much sixty years of Jewish comedy broken yep. up briefly by Eddie Murphy in the eighties, <laughs> and then really not, that's and, then, else and then and then there's funny. Ben Stiller. He's Jewish. Yeah, I, so I've heard. So I've heard. You know what? Um, I want to go through some some company things here. There are uh, three giant company releases that I also want to touch on. And we have a new company that we're covering a lot of uh, titles on going forward. And I want to give them a big plug and a big push because they are an outstanding company. And we're talking about Twilight Time. Uh, Twilight Time, 
And because the studios don't care about targeted stuff, they just want to blow out the big titles and get the, the mass marketing uh, projects going. Uh, these companies are actually helping the studios better exploit their libraries. And uh, Twilight Time uh, started up last year. They are one of them. They are sub-licensing titles from 20th Century Fox and Sony. And uh, they have some amazing titles. They, they're releasing two titles a month. You can only get these at ScreenArchives.com. So make a note of that. Everything I'm going to talk about right now, you can only get at ScreenArchives.com. That's where the Twilight Time uh, titles are. You're not going to go on to Amazon or anywhere else and, and find them. ScreenArchives, plural, dot com. ScreenArchives.com. And uh, ScreenArchives.com, by the way, is uh, associated with uh, uh, FilmScore Monthly. Monthly. Yeah, which is also uh, absolutely terrific. First title I'm going to mention here, a Blu-ray from Twilight Time of The Big Heat, uh, which Yay. is Fritz Long's uh, big noir, his big Hollywood noir. Awesome. From uh, 1953, uh, you know, an interesting, not a 30s or 40s noir, but it feels like a 40s noir. But it's 1953, so it has a little bit of early Cold War uh, grit going on with it and I'll tell you Glenn Ford of a Santa Monica High School graduate I might say I walk really? past his photograph in the history building every single day of my high school uh, four years three years in high school four, four years in uh, four high school year, four years th- three two one drop you know down. say about these um, uh, these uh, 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 what's a Twilight Time discs yeah. they're, they're like 30 bucks each that's you know not, what that's almost like Criterion expensive freaking worth it Every penny, I got to tell you. Uh, the Big Heat is a great noir. It's one of the all-time classic noirs. A, uh, it's just it's, it's such a, a moody, cool film, and Fritz Long brings all of that uh, German expressionism to the noir feeling for it. Glenn Ford is great. It's got so many dark edges. Gloria Graham, who had a lot of work done over the course of her life, uh, is fantastic. She's just really creepy and sultry and ditzy and dangerous, and uh, I love her in this. By the way, she had a freaky life, Gloria Graham. Oh, my gosh. Look her up on Wikipedia. You will not believe. It's just amazing. Anyway, uh, absolutely terrific film. And you know who's young and uh, menacing in this film, among many others? Uh, Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. Lee he, Marvin was never a handsome man. Oh, my gosh. He is so... I mean, when he got older and the hair got white, you kind of bought him because he looked like a crusty, ugly old guy. When he's young, he is scary. He plays a thuggish maluk in this movie. He is just really... He's an uggo. Man, he's good. So that's the big heat. You, you're going to love it. It's just great. It's, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Ford plays a cop, and he's, you know, he gets, he gets embroiled with the, uh, the powers that be in an investigation he, he shouldn't be following. It's a corrupt city. Oh, it's such a corrupt city. Save crime, Wade. It's, There's only one they, good man left standing. There you forward. go. I know. So it, good. It's classic noir. Yep. Uh, I can't believe that they allowed this to escape over at uh, Columbia, but they did. The Oscar winning as good as it gets that uh, is with Jack Nicholson. You know what? I, but I'm glad. Twilight Zone did a great, great release of this as well. Like all of these have isolated score tracks, I should point out. I love that. I love when they do that. And love it. Uh, love this, it. Is, this is great. Has the trailer, no other extras. It would have been nice to get a you know, commentary from James L. Brooks, but uh, you know what? Shy of that, it's a great Blu-ray. It's a terrific Blu-ray. This, of course, uh, won a screenplay Oscar and also won Best Actress for Helen Hunt, shockingly, because everybody was expecting Judy Dench to win that year for Her Majesty Mrs. Brown. And uh, I remember Helen Hunt even went up and just said, I, I almost feel, you know, she said she like felt guilty because she, she, I guess she voted for Judy Dench. Now you realize yeah. that I went to the New, York, the New York premiere of that movie. Did you really? Yes, I did. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. Because I was working with Greg Kinnear at the time. Oh, that's right. And he got an Oscar nomination for that, well, actually, too. Actually, by that point, I wasn't working with him. I was stayed friends with him after we were done working together. And he, uh, he took me to the uh, premiere. No I, kidding. I took my, uh, my cousin. With me. She was my date. And when it was over, I met uh, Jack Nicholson. 
John, St- John Steinbeck's The Wayward Bus. It's not like it, a comedy. The Wayward Bus <laughs> with Don Knotts. Uh, you never way- know what goes on on the wacky Wayward Bus. You know, this is this is a uh, this is a kind of a, a strange oddity. This is from 1957, and uh, nobody really even knows about this. Believe it or not, this film stars Joan Collins and Jane Mansfield. I had no idea Joan Collins and Jane Mansfield ever even met, much less appeared in uh, in a movie together. Um, but they're both really good in it, believe it or not. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's a road picture. Um, oh, John Steinbeck and his road pictures. I know, right? Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of the few movies that really goes to those parts of California that nobody realizes exists. Everybody thinks that California is just like San Francisco and Los Angeles and maybe San Diego. They don't realize that there's like... And the Playboy Mansion. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, and and uh, you know what's the what's a Hearst Mansion, uh, Hearst Castle, Hearst Castle. But the, nobody realizes that there are these vast small town swaths that just look like you know Arkansas. I mean, really, it's it's just sort of like desert and desolate and uh, very peculiar. The Wayward Bus. So anyway, The Wayward Bus is, uh, is sort of an expose of that area, and it is gorgeous, gorgeous cinemascope uh, cinematography and uh, really uh, fascinating film to discover if you haven't heard of it. Um, another one from uh, Twilight Time, Desiree. Uh, what's Desiree? What is it in French? It means desired. And you know what? It's with Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando is all about films with the name Desire. In and the title. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons and Marlon Brando. And Merle Oberon. Um, really a gorgeous film. I can't say that I love this film. It was made in 1954. Uh, I can't say it's even Marlon Brando's best film, but it really is a very opulent film, very nicely put together. It's one of this those... This is Brando as... Brando in this movie, he yeah. plays Napoleon. Yes. Brando plays Napoleon. Well, you know what? Look, Brando... Brando and uh, Who played his brother in On the Waterfront? Carl Malden. Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger also played Napoleon. What? Isn't that interesting? No. Both of them played Napoleon. It is not interesting. I find it superbly Steiger was, uninteresting. Steiger played Napoleon rather badly, actually, in, uh, in a, that Sergei Bondarchuk movie where it's all his grumbling voiceover is terrible. Uh, anyway, yeah, not not the best casting in the world, but uh, you know what? It certainly has that big Cinemascope, opulent though. Cinemascope feel from the 1950s. It's very much uh, an artifact of its time. Very nicely done. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say just on the basis of opulence alone, it's worth checking out. Uh, very nicely done by Henry Coster. Good, uh, good solid studio-level guy. Uh, Swamp Water is a genre noir film that uh, has also kind of fallen between the cracks a little bit. Um, Jean Renoir made a handful of Hollywood films, and they weren't as genius as his French films by any measure, but they all had a certain artistic flair, and they didn't fit well in the Hollywood mo- mode, but they, they, you know, they're, they're oddities, but they're fascinating films. It's like he's trying to straddle a fence in some way, and uh, Swamp Water is terrific. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those films that sort of tries to depict Americana through the eyes of, uh, of a foreigner. And he, of course, gets a very, very American cast here. Walter Brennan, Walter Houston, Ann Baxter, Dana Andrews. And uh, this is uh, a um, a fascinating adaptation of a novel that I had never heard of by uh, someone named Vereen Bell. Called The Wayward Bus. Yeah. Anyway, this is Swamp Water, not The Wayward Bus. We've moved on, Mark. It takes place in, in a swamp in Georgia. And uh, it's it's you know it's it's all about that particular kind of scary aspect of American culture, and uh, it's decent. Uh, 
Uh, Demetrius and the Gladiators is also one of those not very good films, but it's a big opulent film. Now, if you've seen Gladiator, of course, the Gladiator that we all know and love from 12 years ago, uh, much better film by far. This is actually a sequel to The Robe from 1953. The Robe, of course, is really only distinguished because it was the first widescreen movie. It was the first big, full-color, widescreen, Hollywood epic spectacle, cinemascope, uh, you know, thing. And uh, Demetrius and the Gladiators uh, is a rather lackluster uh, follow-up to it. But, and we got Anne Bancroft again, by the way. But um, part of it is because Victor Mature just never really would. Do you like Victor Mature in anything, by the way? Not really. I mean, he's fine. Well, he's one of those guys, but yeah, he's, he's not my favorite. He's just one of those guys. He's just kind of a, a stony, pretty face and a square jaw and didn't really work for me in anything. He never, he never really looks like he belongs in a movie. He just looks like he's posing all the time. Um, anyway, Victor Mature plays Demetrius, and uh, not very well, but a really good music. The isolated score is very nice here. Franz Waxman uh, just really nailed it. So the music is much better than the movie, but again, it's a big spectacle, so if you want to kind of indulge yourself and immerse yourself in the spectacles of the era, then that's, that's great. Uh, one of my all-time favorite themes for any movie, one of my all-time favorite scores is Picnic. Absolutely fantastic music, and that makes the isolated score such a treat for Picnic. Um... This is uh, originally this is adapted from William Inga's Pulitzer Prize winning play, and William Holden is just fantastic in this. All takes place in that small Kansas town, and uh, it's you know it's a slice of Americana, but it is uh, it's great music. Joshua Logan, who you know was really middling in a lot of his films, did a lot of great stuff, did a lot of crap. He he nails it here. Picnic is a is a terrific movie and a gorgeous gorgeous Blu-ray. Journey to the Center of the Earth. Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth is uh, kind of a cheesy movie, Um, but uh, it makes for a decent Blu-ray. This is from 1959, and uh, it's, you know, nicely made. It's it's passable. Um, Nothing fantastic, nothing that'll blow your mind, but uh, a decent screenplay co-written by Charles Brackett, who we, of course, all uh, admire and love, uh, starring Pat Boone who is not the most magnetic actor in the world, but, uh, you know, it's uh, again, it's a, it's a great Blu-ray, I guess, for the kids. And then we got a handful of uh, DVDs also that I'll go through real quickly from Twilight Time. One is uh, The Egyptian, which was, um, you know, sort of... Let's just say it... Uh, it set the stage for the Ten Commandments. It was made two years before the Ten Commandments, and it's uh, not terribly interesting because, once again, it features... Victor Mature. Uh, Gene Simmons is in this as well. A lot of a lot of the same people showing up. Uh, Peter Ustinov, who popped up in a lot of these things. It is opulent. It is uh, interesting in some respects, but not that great. Michael Curtiz, definitely out of his element with this film. Uh, the Left Hand of God, a, uh, a, a, a middling um, Humphrey Bogart effort that... Uh, Feels a little bit uh, like he's out of his element as well, but he gives it a really good shot. Uh, this is uh, directed by Eddie Dimitrick, who is often pilloried for uh, informing during the House on American Activities Committee. Gene Tierney, another one we just talked about a second ago, is in this, along with Agnes Moorhead, who was gorgeous at the time. A lovely Cinemascope film set in uh, Civil War China of 1947. Uh, very nice and historical, beautifully put together. Um, you know, decent, uh, decent film. A woman Obsessed, 
uh, a film that I had not seen for a very, very long time. Interesting to see if it holds up. Henry Hathaway, who was one of the great all-time Western directors, really did do a good job with this. Uh, Susan Hayward is a lovely actress and very sharp in this. Theodore Baikel, a little bit misguided, uh, miscast. I always prefer him in uh, My Fair Lady, of course, as uh, Zoltan Kaparthi. But, uh, you know, Susan Hayward, really good actress. We often forget how good she was. And uh, Stephen Boyd, of course. We had talked about uh, Ten Commandments. Stephen Boyd starred with Charlton Heston and Ben-Hur. See, there are all these little connective tissues from the 1950s, Mark. Well done, Wade. Thank you. You put Pulling two and two together and got four. Uh, I guess of some kind. Anyway, uh, now this is a good little, uh, very focused, melodramatic western. Uh, it takes place in uh, Saskatchewan, of all places, but... Uh, Decent film, worth checking out. Probably more of a rental thing, but remember, ScreenArchives.com. And then lastly, The Flim Flam Man. Mark, when was the last time you saw The Flim Flam Man? I like The Flim Flam Man because I love George C. Scott. You know who directed this? George C. Scott. I had totally forgotten who directed this. No, George C. Scott is great in it, but the director of this thing, this is from 1967, Irvin Kirshner. Really? Irvin Kirshner. Did not know that. A decade and a half before he made uh, Empire Strikes Back. Look at that. And uh, it was around about 1985 that he did Never Say Never Again, which I worked the premiere of. And he also did... Uh, we had bonbons. We had a special freezer at the Man's National Theater for bonbons, just for the premiere. Another good Kirshner film is uh, The Jagged Edge. Yes, and the television movie Escape from Entebbe. Or Raid on Entebbe. Sorry, yes. Raid on Entebbe. There were two of them. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, George C. Scott, terrific, plays a con artist, and uh, Michael Sarazen plays his, his, uh, a, a comp- his you know, protege, his, uh, his assistant, and uh, you know what? It's a little bit like a dirty, rugged, rougher version of, uh, of The Sting, but uh, not a great film, but an interesting film. William Rose, a very nice screenplay, one of the more uh, character-driven con films that you'll see in your lifetime. Um, and, uh, Mark, let's... Um Yes. This is one of your all-time favorite films. I'll... No, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I'm one of the only people who has, who, who, who has said disparaging things I know. That's about why I, Hoosiers. That was, my, that, was, that, was, that, that was my intentional joke. Everybody loves Hoosiers. If you love sports movies, you love Hoosiers. You cry at the end of Hoosiers. Hoosiers is the greatest thing ever. You know what, Hoosiers? Don't like it. It's not a great movie. I also have problems with the Jerry Goldsmith music in this movie. It doesn't quite uh, work for me. You know, I love uh, Gene Hackman, my all-time favorite actor. Uh, love him in everything because he's Gene Hackman. But uh, I'm just not a big fan of this film. The uh, Blu-ray looks really good. There's one thing that was ported over from the DVD, which I'm glad they uh, included here, which is the original the actual 1954 championship game that was dramatized in the film, they actually have that game. That game was on TV. I, th- I think it's a kinescope. I can't quite remember. It might have been a kinescope. But they actually have on the Blu-ray the championship game, the actual one from 1954. And that's a great little find. It's more interesting than the movie. Uh, but otherwise, and then Dennis Hopper, he's drunk and he shows up and he's great and they give him a chance and he, and he redeems himself. And just uh, the, only, the only scene of this film that I thought was, was even remotely different than any other sports film that I had seen is that scene where Hackman takes the boys into yeah. the gym where they're going to face the big bad team that they're, gonna, that they're destined to lose to, whatever. And he has the, one of the players measure the height of the basket. Gene Hackman says, uh, you know, how tall is that basket? Kids are like, what are you talking about? How tall is mm-hmm. the basket? And the kid says, 10 feet. And, ha- and Hackman's point is that the basket 
is always 10 feet. It's no taller here than it is where we live. It's just basketball. Don't get intimidated. Just play your game. The basket is the same. Yep. It's the same everywhere. And it was a nice moment. Otherwise, who's your uh, – not on board. And I've taken a lot of crap for that. That's okay. You're, you're entitled. We have a fantastic Blu-ray DVD combo pack here of a classic noir that a lot of people have been begging for for a long time. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck and Van Heflin in The Strange Love of Martha Ivers. Uh, This is one of the coolest noirs you will ever, ever see. And it's got a lot, I mean, you know, it's not just uh, Barbara uh, Stanwyck and Van Heflin. Uh, This also includes uh, Lauren Bacall, Kirk Douglas... Uh, and a lot of really cool supporting actors that you, you're constantly surprised by. You just go, wow, I, I look at how young they all are. Uh, it's a great noir directed by Lewis Milestone, who, of course, previously did uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, and uh, it, 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 this is just so gorgeously transferred. They make a point of pointing out that this was transferred from the, the 35 millimeter archival print that is with the Library of Congress right now. And in addition to that beautiful archival black-and-white transfer, you also have a really cool commentary from William Hare, who is a, a film noir expert and actually wrote a book on film noir uh, on film noir and uh, in Los Angeles and uh, the role of film noir in, uh, in film history. So he, he does a very good job of sort of placing the film in its context and, uh, and so forth and so on. And uh, then you also have a restoration demo, which is always nice to see how, you, how they kind of clean these things up so you have a little bit more of an appreciation for it. That is The Strange Love of Martha Ivers. Absolutely fantastic transfer on Blu-ray and a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Welcome. Wade, let's uh, zoom into the future with uh, Act of Valor on Blu-ray and DVD. And uh, this is an interesting film. Um, not the content, because uh, I, I didn't like the movie, but uh, this movie is, uh, is cast and stars uh, currently... Serving Navy SEALs, active duty Navy SEALs play basically themselves in a fictional tale about. I'm going to guess no Academy Award nominations there. Uh, that is correct. Um, the f- movie is essentially just a big recruiting film. Uh, it's very simplistic. Uh, it it's all about just the the heroism of these uh, of these Navy SEALs. Not that they're not heroic in real life. I'm not saying that, but if in a movie, you need characters. You need uh, uh, you know stakes that the heroes might lose. You need a story that involves you. You don't just need the verisimilitude of actual mm-hmm. Navy SEALs in a movie. And uh, this movie has none of that. It's really just a very simplistic recruiting film. But did very well. Cost very little, but did very well. Uh, obviously, this is really a Heartland film. This really doesn't play with the coasts. But um, you know, the one thing I, that is interesting about this film, the Blu-ray looks great. And the movie was shot on a Canon 5D. Really? Yes. Which you can over the counter, a couple thousand dollars. Uh, I've got a, a seven. I've got a 7D. You got you. You can shoot Active Valor. I could. I could. I just need to go out and find something. I don't buy the bit, by the way, as well that they use real bullets, all real live rounds. There's no way. There's just no way they wouldn't have been able to get insurance for the film. They wouldn't have been able to get the camera crews near there. That's BS. I don't buy it. Uh, so anyway, until Way directs Active Valor 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes. We have this. The uh, DVD of the Blu-ray is loaded up. Director's commentary, deleted scenes, the director's intro, um, interviews with the uh, Navy SEALs. Anyway, uh, 
uh, God bless our Navy SEALs, but uh, do not, I do not bless active valor. Uh, Seven Days in Utopia is one of these uh, family-approved, faith-based movies that Ooh. make a lot of people run. I have no faith. I have no faith in <laughs> they faith. They run the other movies. way. I always get creeped out when I see that uh, family-approved seal with the with the white dove on a movie because I just think, oh gosh. I actually saw this thing when it was released. I had to see this for uh, for NPR at the time, and uh, it's a Blu-ray, and it's a it's a perfectly acceptable transfer. Arc Entertainment did a did a decent job uh, putting it to Blu-ray. Not like it's a you know any kind of a cinematic masterpiece it's just it's nicely photographed and uh, you get to see all the cracks in Robert Duvall's face um i like this film because of Melissa Leo and Lucas Black frankly Melissa Leo um you know of course who won an academy award a few years ago Lucas Black a very underrated actor i got to say i i i he doesn't get a lot of parts cuz he has such a southern drawl but um, he kind of holds his own here. He plays a, uh, a young golfer who uh, has just completely melted down. He had a just disastrous implosion on the uh, on the golf uh, course, and uh, it looks like his entire professional career is going to go down the toilet until he winds up uh, stranded in a little town called Utopia. And it turns out there uh, that there's this guy, this rancher played by Robert Duvall, who uh, is sort of his his uh, let's just say he's his Miyagi when it comes to getting him back on track with his golf. And it's kind of a, you know, a karate kid thing and at that point and uh, it's fine. There's, you know, it's got a little bit of a religious subtext to it, a little church going thing and uh, you know, God uh, steps in and helps him improve his golf game as he does with everyone. And uh, I think that's a good message for people who play golf. Play golf? Yeah. I don't like golf. That God don't get it. God loves golf. God uh, is a golf fan. Nobody knows that for sure. Uh, well, you after this movie you'll know that. Anyway, it, you know what it is. It's 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 fine. If you're a golf fan, if you want a family film that'll teach your kids to to love God through golf, uh, Seven Days in Utopia is your film. Uh, Wade, Machine Gun Preacher uh, stars the uh, uh, currently fading Gerard Butler. Jeez, is he just on a completely downward spiral or what? <laughs> it's like I mean, it, it, he came out of nowhere. He was suddenly uh, in uh, Phantom of the Opera. As the Phantom, and he was fine. I mean, I like that movie. I thought he was perfectly fine. He's no Michael Crawford, but he was he was decent. He kept his pitch most of the movie, and then everybody's like hailing him as the second coming of Russell Crowe or something. And he proceeds to make a whole bunch of horrible movies, including a really bad one with Jennifer Aniston. Didn't he make a bad one with Katherine Heigl too? They're all bad. They're all bad. Anyway, he's just making horrible movies, and I don't know what the deal is. You know what it is? Look, there's a moment in there's a moment in every young man's life. When they get projects that will either make them a lot of money and, and, and you know, red carpet, e-entertainment, television famous, or they make changes, they make choices that will make them actors with long careers. And these guys, a lot of these guys, they just go for the money. I know. I think Bartlett is going for the money. Anyway, uh, Wade, this movie, um, I, uh, what, what did you think of this movie? Um, you know, you know this is you know this the, the whole Coney 2012 campaign thing. Yeah, you know, the the video, the Coney yeah. video, which I thought was creepy, by the way. Everybody else was like, "Oh my gosh, we have to go capture him." And I'm like, I'm not arguing with that, but I feel like I feel like some weird death cult manufactured this this video to try and get me to donate to their campaign against Coney, which is like, yeah, great, but you're creeping me out. It's a creepy documentary that Coney thing. Well. In Machine Gun Preacher, Butler plays this outlaw biker, this guy named Sam. Who and, he, actually, and he learns to play golf because God loves golf. Yes, he does. Mm. Uh, he finds Jesus and he decides to go There's to the There's a theme Sudan. on the show. Yes, it, uh, yes, that's true. 
uh, oh, Jesus? No. He finds Jesus, decides to go to Sudan and build an orphanage right in the middle of the territory that's sort of owned by the Lord's mm-hmm. Resistance Army, which is Coney's right. actual you know, band of, of evil, misfits. horrible, disgusting, you know, going-to-hell brothers. Yeah. So there really is a bit of a, um, a topical edge to this. I just don't know that I really buy it all that much. I, I feel like it's, you know, it's a weird movie because it's like, you know, Coney supposedly, you know, kills in the name of Christ. Uh, you know what? I, I just, I, I didn't like this movie. Well, well, look, God sends one guy to the Sudan to kill Coney and he sends the other guy uh, to improve his golf game with Robert Duvall. God works in mysterious ways. Exactly. Or rather, movies about God are mysterious. I'm not sure which one. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there is some stuff here that, is kind of effective, you know, where the character kind of, you know, he struggles with his doubt and he's a, he's, and his righteous anger and that he, he, even though he's supposedly doing it for, he's a preacher who's working for good, he still kills and he blows people away with his machine gun. So there's definitely some, there's like a bit of a yin and yang internal struggle thing going on. But ultimately, uh, even though it's based on a true story and everybody's fine in it, I prefer something like um, Blood Diamond. I like Blood Diamond. I prefer that. I don't. That. Hate it. Really? Yeah. Don't like it. This, is, uh, this film does not really, um, didn't really uh, thrill me. But anyway, um, the movie was shot on 16 with some 35mm footage uh, mixed in, which I like. And that stuff is very well represented on the uh, Blu-ray. And, uh, you know, it's good. There's a lot of good... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, extras in it. Yeah. There's a discussion with the director, Mark Forrester, who directed a James Bond film. Mm. Mark Forrester, by the way, he directed a James Bond film. I know. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on he record all, he as also... saying he directed the worst James Bond film. Yes, he did. Quantum of Solace. Yes, he did. I hated that movie. Yep. Yep. Quaalude of uh, Solstice. Uh, John Wayne's Hondo is finally out on Blu-ray. Thank you, Paramount. This is a cool movie. Uh, I, you know, I'm up and I'm hot and cold with John Wayne movies, but this one, Hondo, really is one of the great ones. It is a lot of fun to watch, and uh, it, it basically John. It's like the Magnificent Seven, except it's just John Wayne. This, he's the Magnificent One, and he is going to hold the Apaches away, and he's going to protect Geraldine Page and her ranch, and that's just how it is. Uh, James Arness is in this as well, which is you know a nice thing. Marshall Matt Dillon, who was sort of television's John Wayne, and uh, shows up in a John Wayne movie. You know who directed this? Um, let uh, Irvin Kershner. John Farrow. You know John who John Far- John Farrow was? No, I do not. Nineteen fifty-three. He had a little daughter around about that time, named Mia. Steve. Named Mia, who in uh, about fifteen years' time would uh, would give birth to the devil. Um. Isn't that special? And then we also have this. Uh, I, I would I would almost say we got a lot of good movies this week and a lot of great Criterion's to, uh, still to come. But oh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say I want that. <laughs> You're not giving me that either, are you? Hell no. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that this incredibly beautifully, wonderfully restored version of Yellow Submarine. The Beatles' Yellow Submarine is this week's pick of the week. Uh, This is kind of a strange deal because this belongs to Capitol Records, and Capitol Records isn't farming this out to any uh, distributor. They're releasing it themselves. They're using their their record label distribution uh, pipeline to put this out there on Blu-ray. And this is just so spectacular. Now, there's a DVD out as well, which we did not get, a remastered DVD as well. Uh, But you know what? Uh, As our friend Ray Green always likes to say, he likes animation where you can see the thumbprints. And uh, this is a classic, legendary, uh, one-of-a-kind piece of animation. 
that still it stands holds the test. It stands the test of time. It is just a tremendous movie, and uh, it comes with heaps and gobs and piles of extras, including a commentary t- commentary track with uh, John Coates and uh, Heinz Edelman. Uh, tons of featurettes, trailers, storyboards, photos, uh, interviews with the cast and crew and the vocal talent, pencil drawings. It's just a it's a beautiful homage to a great animated classic that uh, does what animated Blu-rays and DVDs should with the extras, which is take you behind the scenes of the craft. And it is uh, it's just incomparable. You got to go get it. The the Beatles Yellow Submarine on Blu-ray this week. My pick of the week. Are you saying I have to go get that? Are you uh, demanding I get it? Yeah, why not? Well, you know, maybe. We also have a bunch of, uh, uh, well, if your testosterone is low this week, here's my remedy. You can choose uh, Red Scorpion with Dolph Lundgren. I would break you, even though that's not from Red Scorpion. Synapse has released a Blu-ray of uh, Dolph Lundgren's Red Scorpion, which is uh, just right at that moment in 1989 when Dolph Lundgren was starting to make really, really, really just stupid, horrible exploitation uh, action films and put his, uh, his newfound fame from Rocky V right into the toilet. Uh, it, uh, you know what, this is not a good film, but everybody knows it's kind of a schlocky film, which is why I think Synapse wound up with it. It's kind of become a B-movie classic, and uh, it, it contains a whole bunch of uh, stuff that really doesn't improve the film, including a video uh, interview with uh, Jack Ab- Abramoff, who was, who was producer, and uh, a video interview with, the, uh, with Tom Savini, who did the makeup effects on it, the great Tom Savini. And um, other than that, really not much to recommend it. If that doesn't get your testosterone going, Mark, Chuck Norris. Oh yeah. I would make one of the, I would tell one of those Chuck Norris jokes, but uh, we've all heard them way too much. Uh, trio of Chuck Norris films that are exclusive to Walmart from uh, MGM. They include Missing in Action 1, Missing in Action 2, and The Delta Force. Now, these are all these Chuck Norris movies that uh, the only reason they've fallen in with MGM is because MGM now owns the Canon Library. Uh, and, you know, I know. When, when Alexander Bell invented the telephone, he yeah. had three missed calls from Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris doesn't call the wrong number, you answer the wrong phone. <laughs> I, I, I knew I knew that, that you would go there. You, the if I didn't, you'd go there. Just the greatest. <laughs> go sit around the campfire and tell Chuck Norris stories. Oh, that's too funny. Oh my god. Anyway, yes, the these you know. <laughs> I just, oh, here we go. Come on, I, throw it on. I just think these. I think these are the funniest things in the world. These are these are almost funnier than like like really good your mama jokes. Uh, uh, some magicians can walk on water. Chuck Norris can swim through land. <laughs> oh Chuck Norris is the reason why Waldo is hiding. That's a good one. There you go. Chuck Norris can slam a revolving door. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, too funny. Too funny. Uh, so anyway, Walmart exclusives for these t- three Chuck Norris films from the uh, from his canon period. I don't particularly like the canon period for Chuck Norris because I like the Chuck Norris films from uh, sort of the post-Bruce Lee period. Good Guys Wear Black and uh, the, the Octagon and Force of One. I like all those films. Those are, those are great films because they're martial Norris arts makes, films. Uh, Chuck Norris makes onions cry. <laughs> anyway, but some people really love these. Lee Marvin, 
uh, much Chuck, older than he was. That was what, what, yes. Chuck Norris can strangle you with a cordless phone. <laughs> Oh, so Lee, 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 these never stop getting, never never stop getting, they never stop being funny. I don't understand how that's possible. Lee Marvin, considerably older and crackier here than he was in the big heat ish, also shows up in the Delta Force, which is just really silly, but uh, it's got a kind of kitschy 80s charm to it. The two missing in action films were, of course, part of the that that moment, which also included legit films like Uncommon Valor when everybody was concerned about rest and and Rambo, of course, you know, was was one of the uh, first ones that got into that rescuing POWs that were still in Vietnam and uh, that persisted for about a decade beyond the end of the Vietnam War and by the time we get into the 90s I think everybody pretty much gave up on that uh, that notion but uh, you know what they're on Blu-ray they are not great Blu-ray transfers but they're certainly adequate and it's uh, it's nice to have that kitsch back in the mix again oh too funny uh, anyway uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance is the latest piece of crap from uh, the Ghost Rider series this was directed by Neville Dean and Taylor who were two uh, one of those super uber you know, they're all about the shot compositions and the crazy, super avant-garde video game-looking uh, sequences. They did the horrible uh, Jonah Hex, whatever it was called, with Josh Brolin. This was their follow-up, and thankfully, this did equally bad. Hopefully, uh, Neville didn't tell it will go away. Uh, the movie, you know what? Uh, it's certainly no better or worse than the first one. Nicolas Cage has wanted to play a superhero forever, and there was a moment when he was going to play Superman. In a Tim Burton film, that didn't happen. But uh, Nor- uh, Norris, but Cage, who is uh, collects comic books, uh, the only one who'd give him a part is uh, the guys who made Ghost Rider. So this is available on Blu-ray and also Blu-ray 3D. Neither one worth it. Uh, does the Blu-ray look good? Uh, yes, it's a good-looking Blu-ray. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the special features include uh, deleted scenes. Is kind of like who cares? Uh, director's a video commentary by the director, which, which actually I thought was kind of interesting, but otherwise, there's really no reason to check out Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance other than it's a good looking Blu ray. But really, you have to suffer through the film to you see know, that. You know, Tim actually liked it, really. Yeah, Tim, Tim was Tim thought that Nick Cage just camped it up and, and really actually made it tolerable. And Tim would walked in prepared to thoroughly hate it, so. It's the expectations game again. Uh, all three Spider-Man movies uh, are out once again for obvious reasons. Now, here's a little backstory on this, not to take up too much time, but, you know, uh, Spider-Man is a Marvel hero who is going to revert to Disney, who now owns Marvel, in a matter of years. So Columbia still owns the license on the Spider-Man movies for a little while longer, and that's why they have rebooted the franchise and why they are going to milk that cow until it is dead. Uh, because they don't get Spider-Man forever in perpetuity. So they're just, they're just going to use that franchise as best they can. They're going to use it up while they still have a contract, and then it's going to be all over, and Disney's going to have to figure out what to do with it. So with the new Spider-Man film then coming out, in order to obviously boost that profile, they have released the previous Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man trilogy on Blu-ray again. And the only difference here is that it comes with ultraviolet. Uh, three separate Blu-rays plus ultraviolet. I don't think this is enough to upgrade. It is the exact same transfer. There is nothing substantially different with these uh, unless you're somebody who missed it the first time around or you see some incredible, amazing use to ultraviolet, which I don't. But uh, there it is. And um, Wait, speaking of sports. Oh, yeah. Speaking of. A couple sports titles this week we have from ESPN Films. Uh, they have embarked on a very interesting documentary series called 30 for 30. And here they have collected the uh, uh, 30 of the 30 for 30 films. 
and they have boxed it up into a great little tight Blu-ray package. This is good stuff. This is um, these were all seen on television, and a lot of these are just we're talking like you know some of these documentaries are as good as anything you've seen since Hoop Dreams. I mean, there are documentaries here about Fernando Valenzuela and Jimmy the Greek and Muhammad Ali and a great one about who killed the USFL, which is a good one. Um, uh, some stuff about the Yankees. Marion Jones is, is an interesting one, too. Uh, these are terrific. 30 for 30. These are on Blu-ray. Some of them are uh, very well shot. Some use a lot of vintage footage that doesn't really lend themselves to Blu-ray, but that's okay. Uh, because the one thing about Blu-ray, and the one thing I'm glad ESPN did, is they turned this into a tight package. This will fit in your shelf very nicely, as opposed to the Three Stooges one, which will pretty much take up your entire living room. So I would highly recommend, if you're a sports fan, 30 for 30, collector set, films 1 through 30. This is good-looking stuff from the folks at ESPN Films. 30 short documentaries. The only other uh, sports... Blu-ray this week is New York Giants Road to XLVI. Yeah, that that XLVI. would XLVI. That would be the last, whatever the most recent uh, Super Bowl was. Now the uh, the Giants, like forty six, right? For the second time in yeah. five, yes. For the second time in five years, the Giants are world champions, Wade. Yep. You know, I never really saw um, uh, Eli Manning. Eli Manning as being a Super it, Bowl quarterback. He I know. He he didn't scream Super Bowl quarterback. He's got today. he's got now more Super Bowls than his brother. He's got, yeah, he's got he's a like, couple. Yeah. What are you going to do? Anyway, this is two discs. Uh, the first disc has the uh, the wild card game and the uh, playoff game, and then the second disc has the championship game and the Super Bowl. So if you're a Giants fan, and I know, and you know who you are, this is must-get stuff. Groovy. Uh, not a whole lot on the uh, extras front, but still, you got four complete football games on these discs, so that should be totally plenty mm. uh you could also jump to uh, any particular play you want to see through this play tracker feature that they have which i think is kind of cool um anyway so if you love football go for it if you don't love football then why are you listening to this part of the show if you don't love football wade don't, why i don't know it makes no sense maybe they want to hear about a couple potential rentals from arc entertainment these are both uh, new to dvd not blu-ray and they're both kind of cheesy b films one is better than the other but uh, for people that like to kind of discover weird little eccentric genre-ish movies that they might otherwise not know about we got metal tornado which is a silly but uh, relatively inoffensive uh, b movie centered around the idea that there are these that somehow an experiment has gone wrong and it's generating these like metallic tornadoes that just drop down from the sun and destroy things it's uh it's a bit of a kind of cheesy disaster movie uh not credible by any by science or even by general filmmaking standards but uh you know it's uh, kind of fun to laugh at and a little bit more legit is Knockdown, which stars Casey T. Evans, Tom Arnold, and, and uh, Bai Ling. I always enjoy when Tom Arnold shows up in sporting roles in these movies, especially when he's trying to be a tough guy, uh, which never really rings true. But the, this is this is a, an okay film. It's about a guy who's kind of a, a disgraced boxer, a down-and-out boxer, living in Bangkok and uh, trying to sort of redeem himself with all these uh, seamy, nasty, uh, gangster-ridden subplots kind of creeping out of the shadows and... Uh, Trying to bring, drag him back into the muck. It's uh, it's a pretty well written film actually for a low budget uh, kind of crime thriller set in Bangkok, uh, which makes of, me think they got some Bangkok money in it. Speaking of 
crime thriller set in Bangkok. We have some criterions coming up in a few minutes. Yes, we, we must do. talk about. It. Unless you want to talk about them now. You know what? Let's hit the criterions right now, Mark. These oh. are three three-way, well, three must-buys. Three must-buys, and then a, and then a couple of Ingmar Bergman must-buys. But the three English language must-buys, or the the three American Hollywood must-buys. Three must-buys. Wait. Launch into them. I saw Shallow Grave uh, actually in Leicester Square in London. That's oh, the best movie. And uh, Danny Boyle was this uh, guy making his, uh, you know, kind of his film debut. And uh, who is this uh, d- uh, Danny Boyle guy? What is the Shallow Grave all the kids in London are talking about? And I remember you came back and you you raved about it. And then I did the press junket and I actually sat down with Danny Boyle. I had no idea who he was. Sat down with him for about a half an hour. And uh, I, I, I thought he might have either been mentally ill or, or addicted to cocaine or something. And then I realized this guy just has, un- he has mountains of energy. It's inc- it, he looked like an, a leprechaun, and he just sat down, and he was so energetic. And uh, he almost scared me. I love, I love Shallow Grave. I love Train Spotting. I love 28 Days Later. I love Slumdog Millionaire. He's the man. I love, I, I love, I, I love Millions, yeah. by the way. I and don't. I don't love millions. So that puts you. You, you, probably, you also liked uh, the, the. I love sunshine. Yeah. Oh, sunshine's a cool movie. I don't love it like you do, but it's cool. Uh, I love Danny Boyle. Anyway, Shella Grave also introduced the world to a Ewan McGregor, and that's always a good thing. And in this uh, Blu-ray, this beautiful Blu-ray, we have a whole bunch of uh, good stuff, like Criterion always does. Audio commentaries, one by Danny Boyle, new interviews with um, a couple of the actors, including Ewan McGregor, a documentary from '93 by. Uh, Kevin McDonald, interesting, directing this documentary. And uh, it's just a great film. It's a great little tense thriller called Shallow Grave. It's on Criterion. You absolutely must, must at least rent it if you've never uh, seen it. This is great stuff, Shallow Grave. Yes. Wade. That's what I'm talking about. Totally. Now, one of my all-time favorite comedies is available on... Oh, do you want to talk about that first, Wade? Talk about what first? What you... I thought you were about to... Well, yeah, to, uh, yeah. No, let's, uh, well, go ahead. Finish up. Finish up uh, Harold and Maude. You just gave away what it was. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to do that? <laughs> Harold and Maude, one of my all-time favorite comedies. This is uh, directed by Hal Ashby. One of my, uh, I, I love Hal Ashby. I love his, I love all of his films. He had Hal Ashby had an amazing '70s, then basically, you know, uh, struggled through the '80s and then died. Mm. But Harold and Maude from 1971 was kind of the first great to me Hal Ashby film. I mean, after that came. Last Detail and Shampoo and Coming Home and Being There, one of my all-time favorite films ever, Being There. But Harold and Maude is just a great film. It stars uh, Ruth Gordon and Bud Court, and it is a dark comedy. It's got, it's got a lot of humor and drama and existentialism, and it's about this young kid who is obsessed with death, and he winds up developing a relationship with an 80-year-old woman played by Ruth Gordon, and it was just great. It was uh, originally a novel, and it was shot in San Francisco, so there's a lot of cool little uh, location shooting going on. And I just think this film is just, it's just unique and hilarious and bizarre, and it delves into the youth culture of the time and how alienated they were and how they thought they were doomed. You know, don't forget, this is during the Cold War. Yep. And, uh, you know, like... You know, Maud's past is revealed mm-hmm. to be a Holocaust past, and there's themes rippling through about that, about death and survival. Fantastic. And uh, it's a great, great film, very highly recommended by me. The Blu-ray includes um, an audio commentary by a Hal Ashby biographer, a new interview with Cat Stevens, who has some songs in the film. Of course, Cat Stevens eventually went Muslim and changed his name to Yusuf something or other. Yep. And uh, I love this film. I love it to death. Harold and Maude.
get it, buy it. And uh, in, in just a moment, we're actually going to uh, do a giveaway. Now, it's a little bit of a different giveaway because for a title we're going to cover next week. It's a television title, and uh, we're going to do a giveaway for uh, uh, Louis uh, Season 2, the uh, kind of very successful series, astonishingly successful series by Louis C.K. Uh, we're not only going to review it until next week, but we're going to do a giveaway this week uh, so that we can announce the winners the same week that we talk about it. Uh, so stay tuned for that in just a moment. We're going to wrap the show up with that. But also from Criterion this week, Charles Chaplin's The Gold Rush, the uh, one of the great all-time American masterpieces and certainly one of uh, Chaplin's very best films. Uh, this is just a beautiful film. It includes both versions, 1925 and the 1942 version, which is shorter and has, well, it, not as good. Uh, you know, a lot of people, he, he added sound to the 1942 version, and it's not, um, it's... It, it, it's a peculiarity, but the uh, the classic version that everyone loves is the 88-minute 1925 version. Compare them both. They're both here for the first time ever, and uh, this is from the Janus Films Collection, which is is always reliable. Their, their elements are always just sensational, and the extras are just beyond compare. The transfer is, fin- is spectacular. It's a 2K transfer, which is all it really needs to be, and uh, beautiful 5.1 uh, audio fabulous, uh, you know, featurettes, interviews, the whole thing. It's, it, you know, come on, it's Criterion, it's Chaplin. I don't need to sell that. And then uh, lastly from Criterion, we have a couple of Ingmar Bergman films you have probably never heard of on Blu-ray, Summer Interlude and Summer with Monica. Uh, these are certainly among the, the earlier Bergman films that I was unfamiliar with. Um, Summer Interlude is from 1951 and Summer with Monica is from 1953. And uh, they, they're, they're really interesting films because they're not classic Ingmar Bergman films. You sort of see him evolving as the guy who would later take the world by storm with uh, The Seventh Seal and, and everything else and uh, Winter Light and on and on and on and, uh, you know, Through a Glass Darkly and you name it. So um, this almost feels like he's, he's trying to be a little bit commercial, a little bit uh, artsy, and uh, not quite getting a handle on the, the guy that he would eventually become. But it, is, uh, it, it still meditates on some very heavy issues about you know, life and death and, uh, and love and uh, art and the role of art in life and how humans interrelate. Photography is spectacular. Summer with Monica is... Um, is actually also a, it's kind of in the same vein but it's uh, maybe a little bit more commercial it's certainly one of the few films he made that has a sort of an eroticism to it anyway uh, a great interview on Summer with Monica with Harriet Anderson uh, with P- film scholar Peter Cowie who does a lot of stuff for Criterion and uh, there's a really cool interview with uh, film scholar Eric Schaefer about Kroger Bab who distributed um, Monica the story of a bad girl uh, which is Summer with Monica, but he distributed as an exploitation film. And it's really interesting because Kroger Babb is a guy that we dealt with uh, a little bit in our documentary Schlock. Uh, he was one of the great pioneers in exploitation uh, distribution. So anyway, that history of this film is really interesting. It, did not originally, it was not originally an art film. And uh, so here's our giveaway, Mark. We're going to end the show with the giveaway. We're giving away uh, three Blu-rays of Louis season two, which is the Louis C.K. series. It is what? a we're giving that's away a good one. That's a great one. We're not gonna review this until next week. So we need people to email us, gods at digigods.com, email us and put Louis in the subject. And it needs to get to us. Um, make sure that your your uh, your email is time stamped no later than uh, Friday, June fifteenth. Friday, June fifteenth. As long as the timestamp on the on the email is June fifteenth 
we're good. And put Louie, L-O-U-I-E, in the subject. And uh, we're going to randomly pick three people to receive Blu-rays of Louie Season 2. How do you like that? I like that a lot. And we're going to talk good, about it next week. That's a good giveaway. That's a good giveaway. That's no piker. It's no piker. And, you know, uh, Louis C.K. is awfully funny on that show. And he's the creative force behind the show. It's not like uh, they just dragged him in and said, here, say some funny crap that some talentless hack wrote. No, no. You, you. He's you, the guy. You, you, you realize that uh, he was doing everything for that show himself, including edit it. Yeah, I know. But in this last season, he hired Woody Allen's editor to edit the film, Susan uh, Morse. No kidding. Susan Morse now edits uh, Louis. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. That's outstanding. All right. Well, that is it. Uh, again, gods at digigods.com. Put Louie in the subject, and uh, we will re- make sure you are uh, stamped no later than uh, the 15th of June. And uh, if we receive all your emails... No, wait. Uh, is it stamped on the 15th of June? No, no later, later than. than. Oh, okay. No later than. <laughs>